Welcome to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show, a real estate investment program. Listen and learn how to use real estate to build wealth and passive income streams for you and your family. We bring you experts every day to discuss and answer your questions on everything from single-family homes all the way up to 600-plus unit apartment complexes. And now, the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. My name's Mike Harrison, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. It's my privilege to be hosting this show today, and I, I thank you for joining in. Today's show is really a tie-in to my show from a couple of weeks ago, and if you missed that, you're going to want to go back and, and pull that show because it, it flows perfectly with what we're going to talk about today. And the title of that show is How to Evaluate Apartment Deals as a Passive Investor. Now, if you're new to this show or new to real estate investing, being a passive investor is just one of three ways we teach at Lifestyles Unlimited to invest in multifamily apartment communities. A passive investor, essentially, and I'll give you the 40,000-foot flyover, a very general explanation of what we do, but essentially, as a passive investor, we're going to pool our money as a group, several of us, many dozen, sometimes a hundred, sometimes more than that. And we'll put our funds together and we'll hand those funds over to essentially a syndicator, a deal syndicator. We call that person a lead investor here at Lifestyles Unlimited. And so we pull this sum of cash and we hand it to this lead investor to invest in a business. And this business just happens to be an apartment community. And as such, we're entitled to a portion of the profits of that business. And so that's what I do. I, I invest in apartment communities throughout Texas and Mississippi. And this show is going to tie into that evaluation show that I did two to three weeks ago. And just to give you a little background on that show, that show really discusses the key items you need to consider regarding deal finalization and choice. And and for instance, I'll, gi I'll give you an example. Let's say you have boiled down several opportunities and you found three to four apartment communities, three to four businesses that you want to invest in. Unfortunately, and this happens very often, you only have enough capital to invest in one or maybe two of those at this particular moment. How do you boil those down and decide these are the one or two deals that are best for me? Well, that's what that show from two weeks ago is about. But before you get to that deal finalization, before you're able to take those 15, 20 opportunities possibly and boil those down, you need to review what's called a private placement memorandum or a PPM for short. And we'll be using that term throughout the show, PPM. It is a private placement memorandum. The official meaning of private placement memorandum is a private placement memorandum is a document given to potential investors that introduces an investment and discloses information about it. The PPM is part of a securities offering process called private placement. There's a lot there, okay? Just one of the many wonderful aspects of Lifestyles Unlimited is that we're a networking community. I'd love to sit here and tell you what the nuts and bolts of a PPM are. Trust me. However, I have a good friend that can do 20 times the job of explaining what a PPM 
is, and I've brought that friend on the show today. I invited Richard to join us today. Richard not only knows PPMs, he writes PPMs for lead investors, and he is also an investor in multifamily properties. So with that, I'd like to introduce to our show Richard Robinette with the Dodson Legal Group. Richard, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you joining on on Short Turnaround. It's, when I was writing that show two weeks ago, I thought, wow, I really need to do a deep dive into the PPM. So here, here we are. Uh, again, thanks. I know it was a short notice, but uh, this will be good. This will be a real good tie-in. So Richard, as we unpeel this, why don't you provide a little background about yourself? My name is Richard Robinette. I'm an attorney at Dodson Legal Group. Uh, we're one of the vendors uh, at Lifestyles Unlimited. So we help a lot of the lead investors get their offering documents put together when they are uh, raising money for apartment deals. Um, so I actually I actually kind of backed into the position. I used to be a patent litigator, and uh, I was a first-year associate at a, at a large corporate law firm. And when you're a, a new associate at a big firm, you know, the, the, the task that's inevitably given to you is doc review. You get the exciting so stuff. The exciting stuff, yeah. So Docker View <laughs> is literally you'll have a, a database of millions of documents that have to be gone through uh, and then tagged with whether they're relevant to a case or not relevant to a case. And if they're relevant, they have to be disclosed to uh, the other party in the litigation. So it's a very, very simple job. Ooh. You just sit there and you go document after document after document and tag. And so it's something high schoolers could do if it was legal to let high schoolers do it. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty mindless work. And so I would just, you know, put on my headphones and I would listen to audiobooks and podcasts and whatever and just stumbled on uh, a radio station in Houston for some reason. I don't even know why I was listening to Houston Talk Radio. I'm not even in Houston, but uh, I was on a radio, you know, listening to the radio and there was someone interviewing someone else who was from Lifestyle. Uh, and they mentioned, oh, yeah, we teach real estate, and we've got a podcast and whatever. And so I was like, oh, a podcast. Hey, let me check that out. So I started wow. listening to the podcast. I went to some of the free events. I went to the case studies, asked a whole lot of skeptical questions because I really didn't know anything about real estate at the time. And, uh, you know, my, I'd always been you – know, my dad was scared of real estate, so he always told me, you know, real estate people are scammers and whatever. So I was really a uh, difficult sale for them, you know. Uh, yeah. But after several months of, of – really running these people through the ringer. Uh, I, I signed up and I joined and it, it literally changed my life and it changed the trajectory of my career. Uh, I eventually left patent litigation and went headfirst into doing real estate transactions and securities for real estate deals. That's really uh, interesting. I, yeah. A few years after that switch, I went back and joined the Lifestyles Vendor Program and here we are. We've been doing it for five years now. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to reach out and talk about real estate, please send me an email. I do respond personally to each and every email I get. That's askmike at luinc.com. Askmike at luinc.com. Feel free to bounce anything off me. I'm here to help you. And if I can't help you, I'll definitely find somebody who can answer your question and and will help you. Joining us today is Richard Robinette from the Dodson Legal Group. He's a subject matter expert on the most important document we review as a passive investor, and that document happens to be called a private placement memorandum. And there is a ton within that private placement memorandum, but we use those to evaluate what we call deals, and they're really syndication offerings 
for a passive investor to become a passive investor, truly to hand money over to a lead investor and become a part of that deal and a part of the financial gain and profits of that deal. And we're going to peel that PPM apart because Richard knows the PPMs many, many times better than I do. Um, I think I do, and I review, but I still ask a lot of questions. So, Richard, let's just get to the basics. First of all, why does someone even have to have a PPM? Can't someone just come out and, and verbally ask people to invest in a, a deal or syndication? Uh, I mean, I mean, you can do anything. It's whether you're going to, you know, have consequences for doing that. So, <laughs> you, well, I mean, without consequences, yes, I don't even, uh, I don't want to cross that bridge ever. Right. So, so anytime you are are raising money from investors for uh, for for a project, and they are just going to put money in and expect money out and be completely passive otherwise, uh, you are selling securities. And in the United okay. States, all securities have to be registered with the Securities uh, the Securities Exchange Commission, or uh, there has to be an exemption from registration. So. We use exemptions because registration is a big, long, expensive process that we generally don't want to do uh, just for single apartment uh, communities. So uh, part of the exemption that we use uh, requires us to make certain disclosures to investors, and that's what goes into the PPM. Okay, so is that why they call it a private offering? The, The folks, we know the people that are essentially asking us if we want to partake in their deal, and I guess if you registered, would that be a public placement memorandum? Uh, well, I wouldn't call it that, but yeah, it'd be a public offering if you were registered. Um, but this is this actually falls under the private offering exemption in the securities laws. Okay, all right, so it's, it's unfolded. <laughs> so how? So, Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, so the basis of of securities regulation in the United States is all about disclosure. And I can effectively do anything I want with investors' money as long as I adequately disclose to them what I'm doing. And they say, yeah, go ahead. So I could write a PPM that says, I'm going to set your money on fire, and somehow you're going to profit from this. Sign here. And they say, okay, sounds good to me. Okay, so it's really just a disclosure of this syndication, of this business opportunity uh, from A to Z, everything that one would need to know about this offering. Right. And really mostly the bad stuff. Here's all the ways you could lose your money. And let me know you're okay with this. So, and, you know, as long as I am telling you exactly what I'm going to do, I'm not being misleading. Uh, here's here's the business. Here's what you're investing in. Here's what I intend to do with it. Uh, it, it there's no, so there's no, it, it doesn't make a deal good or bad or profitable or not profitable or safe or speculative. It just discloses factually what's happening. Here it is, and, and here's my plan. Here's my plan. Here's all the risks we can think of. Sign here. <laughs> There's a lot of doom and gloom. So okay. uh, my PPMs, about a third of it, are risk factors, are warnings of here's all the stuff that can go wrong. Okay. So what is the deal with, there's a whole section that talks about sophisticated and accredited investors. Why mm-hmm. does the security and exchange, first of all, what is that and why does the SEC care? Uh, so the, the, the 
SEC has decided that uh, certain people need more protection than others. And when we're talking about individuals, uh, individuals with a whole lot of money to lose don't need as much protection as people who don't have very much to lose. So they've set a line and said, okay, anyone who has either this much net worth or this much annual income doesn't really need our protection. We're going to call them accredited. And then everybody else is unaccredited. And so for the particular securities exemption we use, we can sell our securities to an unlimited number of accredited investors, but only a limited number of unaccredited investors. And the unaccredited investors also have to demonstrate that they have some kind of uh, financial education or experience to a level that they understand the risks of what they're getting into. So if you're rich enough, they don't care. But if you're not rich, we at least want you to know, you know, <laughs> you know what you're getting into. You know the risks you're taking by investing in this particular opportunity. Okay. And I have two questions based on that. One, the accredited, if I remember correctly, is a net worth greater than $1 million, and that does not include your personal home. Is there a scale? Correct. Will that change? I mean, we're in an inflationary period now. Do you Does that ever get adjusted or just got stuck at $1 million. Uh, I, I hope it never gets adjusted, or at least not adjusted up. Um, but it has been at a million for a long time. And they, they even with the, they made two recent changes uh, to the rules and uh, didn't change the number, although they did. So it was you could combine your net worth with your spouse to reach the million. Yeah. Uh, now you can combine with your spousal equivalent. Uh, oh, okay. You don't even have to be legally married, but if you're if you're living together and doing basically the things that married people do, then you can combine your income for for, for uh, or excuse me, combine your net worth for qualifying on net worth. You can combine your income for qualifying on income, which is currently three hundred thousand dollars combined, or you can qualify alone if you make two hundred thousand. Okay, okay, and then on the sophisticated side, yes, there's a limited amount that could get in the deal. Is that a percentage of how many people enter the deal, or is it just a fixed number on any um, private placement memorandum? Well, it used to be a fixed number. It was 35, period. And they recently changed the rules to now it's 35 across all your deals, all the deals of a single issuer every 90 days. So there's a rolling 90-day period. So you could theoretically keep keep an opportunity open longer and continue to Accept unaccredited investors as long as they meet those sophistication requirements. Uh, if you um, now, for the deals days. we're talking about, you know, a, a, a general, generally a, an apartment deal is going to close in sixty days. So, yeah. you know, for all practical purposes, you can have thirty-five. Thirty-five in and out. Right. Okay, I got you. Um, they're pushing us out. I don't have enough time to get into the next question, but this is great. For you listeners out there, we're going to break down the parts of the PPM throughout the remainder of the show. I have our guest today, Richard Robinette from Dodson Legal Group. My name is Mike Harrison, and you're listening to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. There is a dream killer here somewhere today. You're going to run into somebody who's going to tell you this stuff doesn't work. Like Vinette said, it's a scam. This is probably a multi-level marketing program. 
Somebody is going to tell you it doesn't work because you're the wrong race, the wrong age, the wrong sex, the wrong sexual preference, the something or other. And this is all set up so rich people can be successful and all you poor people can't. And if you believe that, they've won. But if you don't, you win. Don't believe the dream killers. Start winning today with the Lifestyles Unlimited free workshop. Get the knowledge you need to replace your income in two to five years, and then find out how to take action. Register for the free online workshop at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. My name's Mike Harrison, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. And part of that financial freedom is investing in real estate assets, and that's what we teach here at Lifestyles Unlimited, single-family homes and apartment communities. Today's show, we're discussing specifically one of the major parts of investing in an apartment community as a passive investor, and that's the private placement memorandum. And if you have any questions for myself, please send me an email, askmike at luinc.com, luinc.com. Our guest on the show today is Richard Robinette, and Richard knows private placement memorandums intimately. Not only does he read them for a review to invest on his end, but he writes them for our lead investors, and a lead investor is really a, a deal syndicator. So, Richard, back to the PPM. Let's continue breaking this thing down, does every PPM have the same sections or can a, a deal syndicator say, yeah, I want that in or I don't want that in, or I, I got a feeling they're able to write this thing in the way they want. They, uh, they vary from, you know, mostly on law for law firm to law firm writes them a little different, but there are some, some base requirements that have to be in there. So um, especially when we have a deal with unaccredited investors. There are specific things we have to disclose. Um, but you'll see variations in the order. You'll see differences in, in the presentation or whatever. So, you know, they, you know, they don't, they don't all look exactly the same. It's not like a government form. Okay. Um, so it's not, uh, have this followed by this, followed by this, followed by this. Right. Right. Okay. So what are the sections, um, of the PPM? So the PPM are really, so kind of what we call the PPM is really a collection of documents. One of those documents is literally the PPM, and then there's exhibits uh, attached to it. So the the PPM proper uh, is going to have information about the deal itself, how much money are we raising, what securities exemptions are we relying on, what are the risk factors, that's a huge section, Uh, who's running the deal, so who are the key players, the manager, the, the deal sponsor, key principals, you know, what what's what's in their bio, you know, who are these people? How are we going to use the money? So we have an expected use of proceeds. We're going to raise this much money, this much is going to go to, you know, fees, this much will go to closing costs, this much will go to buy the property, this much will go to capital expenditures, whatever, the whole plan. And then it'll have attached to it the company agreement which in my opinion, from a legal perspective, is the most important document because that's going to govern the business over the next five or 10 years, however long we're going to hold the the property, right? Uh, It'll have more extensive bios of the managers. It'll have a business plan. Here's all the things we plan to do. We're going to 
rehab the exterior, resurface the parking lot, put a dog park in, replace all the air conditioners, new countertops, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's going to have pro forma spreadsheet, uh, which is a spreadsheet that outlines here's what we expect the financials to look like over time. I kind of joke that pro forma is Latin for BS, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it is, it, it's meant to give the investors an idea of, okay, here's what we can expect, you know, return wise after everything washes out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then there'll be a subscription agreement that says, you know, I, you know, have questions about the investor. Do you meet the qualifications to invest yourself? Are you accredited? Are you sophisticated, et cetera? Uh, and then it will have how much do you want to invest and do you agree to abide by the company agreement signed here? Gotcha. Now, there are certain parts that we sign and certain parts um, really that we read. I know there's an investor questionnaire, and I take it that's essentially assuring whether we're sophisticated or accredited. And listener, if you missed the mm -hmm. last segment, we went through that. So we signed the questionnaire. We definitely sign the subscription agreement, and that's where we're saying, okay, you're offering a, a part of this deal at $1,000 a part, and I'll take 50 parts, for instance. And, Richard, mm -hmm. I know I'm butchering the legal terminology, but <laughs> um, I, hopefully everyone's following me there. So you may want 50 units. 50 units. Yes, there we go. Thank right. you. Thanks for bailing me out. Uh, you may want 50 units. You may want 100 units at 1000 apiece mm -hmm. or, or, or much more than that. So we sign that. We sign the company agreement, correct? Mm -hmm. And uh, what else do we sign? Or is it just um, those three? So items? it varies. So in mine, you'll, there's a separate signature for the company agreement and for the subscription agreement. Others combine it and say, when you sign this, it's signing both. Um, our company agreement also has a limited power of attorney so that the manager of the company can sign loan documents and various things without having to get all of the investors to sign along with them. Um, there may be other, you know, spousal consents or other very, just depending on the attorneys, whatever documents they think are, are necessary or, or desirable for how they've set up the deal. Yeah. I know that we've definitely, at least here at Lifestyles, the technology's improved on these private placement memorandums entering into an agreement with the lead. We have the Lifestyles podium where we can sign everything online. And, and I do mine as a joint with my spouse. So I sign online and then immediately she's getting an email and it's tagging her to sign her portion online. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the spousal agreement of the subscription or is it both a subscription or company or variation thereof? It should be both, but there's a lot of variety how people set these up. And she knows it's coming a lot of times, so um, I'm kind of leaning on her because I want to get these these signed documents back to the lead investor because I know that I'm just one of, of so many people that they're, that they're putting together. I always had a question. These private placement memorandums, when they're sent to you as a potential investor by a lead, they're numbered. And you're not to share your private placement memorandum with anybody. That's for you. Now, I know we can share it with our legal people and I believe our, our CPA mm -hmm. to, to review it. Talk a little bit about why that is and, and what's involved in that. 
Well, they're meant to be confidential, and the reason is is because the particular exemption that's relied on in most of these deals does not allow public solicitation. You can't put out ads or Facebook posts or, or billboards or radio ads or anything for your deals. There's other exemptions where you can, but most, the 506, we call it 506B, which is kind of the granddaddy exemption that 95 plus percent of all deals fall into. And so, you know, as a, a lead investor wants to show that they did not just blast this out to everyone in the universe indiscriminately. They only shared it with people that are that they believe are qualified for the investment that are, you know, they have a pre-existing relationship with, right? So uh, yeah. if this, you know, if this PBM shows up everywhere and all kinds of people that have no business investing are getting a hold of it, uh, that's very bad for the lead investor. So, you know, the lead investor is only giving this to people and saying, please keep this confidential. You know, this is for you and not for anybody else. And so if they use, not, not everyone uses numbers, but if they use numbers, they're just using that to track to see, okay, who, you know, who leaked it, uh, if it gets sent out to other people. We're talking about parts of the private placement memorandum, and this show really piggybacks on a show that I did on November 15th, and you can find that on the Lifestyles Unlimited website, and that show is about deal evaluation. How do you look at these potential business opportunities, these apartment communities that you want to invest in? Say you find three or four of those and you want to boil it down a little further and tighten that up. That's what that show's about. This show's about the private placement memorandum. This is the series of documents that you need to go through, read, review, understand, and then make a decision. Yes, this deal fits our strategy. No, this deal does not fit our strategy. And and then move on. And once you boil that down to three or four, then you can do further evaluation. Richard, before I get too far in this segment, this show's going by really fast. Why don't you throw out your contact info in case somebody would like to reach out to you? Uh, sure thing. I can be reached. Um, and my email is richard at dodsonlegal.com. Dot com. That's D-O-D, like Department of Defense, DodsonLegal.com. Uh, and my phone number is super, super easy. It's 469-4 million. 469-4, and just keep dialing zeros till you hear a just ring, keep right? Keep hitting zero till someone answers, right? <laughs> Excellent. Well, Richard, again, I want to thank you for coming on the show and, and sharing your expertise. Let's get in. The Lifestyles Unlimited, There's we have parts of our... PPM that I would say that you don't see on the street or, again, out in the cold, cruel world. Um, specifically, that would be the investor questionnaire. Is is that correct? Or, or do other uh, outside groups, outside of Lifestyles Unlimited, do something along the same lines? Because I know that Dell built this to really protect the passive investor. What are your comments? Well, you're there? going to have you're, uh, you're going to have a questionnaire in generally every deal. Now, what they're asking is going to depend on what security exemption they're relying on. If it's 506B, which most of them are, it's got to have questions evaluating the investor's level of sophistication. Now, Lifestyles does a really good job, one, of educating passive investors so that they can demonstrate a level of sophistication sufficient to actually get in the deal. Uh, And two, Lifestyles has additional rules uh, that they call their white paper that govern the behavior of the lead investors uh, in order to better protect 
the passive investors. It makes it very difficult for a lead investor to take advantage uh, of his investors and, and, you know, nickel and dime them to death with fees uh, yes. or, you know, risk uh, violating securities laws. So, so lifestyles rules are more conservative than the SEC's rules. So they keep, they keep their investors well in bounds uh, of any securities regulations that need to be complied with. Um, that That's what I meant to mention, the passive investor checklist. And it's where it, it's a checklist for the passive to go through and essentially questions that the lead is required to answer. That's typically comes across with the PPM, but is that going through your office or is that something they're doing on their own? That, that's something they're doing on their own. So that doesn't have anything to do with the securities disclosures we're making. That's effectively additional reassurance they're giving to their passives based on lifestyles rules. Okay, gotcha. Well, I can tell you lifestyles is is very tough. And some folks that have deviated from that uh, have been asked to leave and asked to leave in like immediate terms, like, please leave, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a very expensive, uh, consequence. It is. And why anyone, uh, it's so easy to make money in real estate. Once you set yourself up in a proper manner, why anyone wants to cut corners above and beyond is beyond me. So let's talk about some of those corner cuttings. What are some, uh, snafus or some PPM red flags that, uh, investors should be wary of? Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm, if you're in lifestyles, obviously you're going to pay attention. You know whether an investor is following lifestyles rules, but you know outside of that, we do see uh, you know funny business sometimes in our documents. Uh, one of my favorites I saw was they had provisions, and there's usually provisions for removing the manager if they're not doing a good job. The, the investors can get together and vote if they vote, you know, a certain percentage. Uh, they can kick them the kick the manager out, and it's usually a pretty high threshold, seventy five percent. You know, good cause, all kinds of you know hurdles you got to jump through before you can just remove someone. And so I read one one day on I was reading it, reviewing it for a, a passive just to give a consultation, and yeah, it said uh, the manager can be removed on a fifty percent vote of the members for any reason. I went, wow, that's really that's really surprising that you could have such a low bar to kick their manager out. But then it turned out that the the manager who was also called the class B investor got to pick the successor. So you voted him out and he got to vote himself right back in. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Like, ah, sneaky sneaky, right? <laughs> Words have meaning, and I'm sure it only took about 8,000 words to convey that uh, short sentence that you just shared there. <laughs> yeah, the devil's, uh, you know, another place we find funny business is in definitions. So uh, uh, a document might use a word that we have a common understanding of, um, but then if you read through the definition section, the little glossary that's included, they might define the word completely differently. So that it doesn't mean what you think it means when they use it in the in the meat of the document. So that's a, another place to hide uh, funny business. Interesting. So you've got to actually go to the definition of the word, and that would be contained somewhere in the PPM, right? Or uh, in the PPM or in a company agreement. Uh, 
yes, that's one of the tricky lawyer things is we, you know, make, you know, make up definitions for words and then use those words when you think they mean something else. So uh, it's very important to read every word of these documents because the devil's in the details. Correct. How often are you asked to be the reviewer as opposed to the lead, the passive? Is that fairly common? It's uh, I do it more often than I want to because it's not very exciting work. Um, the, yeah. the documents are pretty boring to read through. But um, you know, I do I do maybe one or two a month for a passive investor, and uh, you know, I keep raising my price to try to not have to do so many. But uh, yeah, but they still uh, they still love it. It's, it's still less you know a discount. I do this for lifestyle members, and I do it at a discount below my hourly rate. Um, right. And I'm 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 happy to do it, but I also don't like doing it. So it, it takes time. A love hate relationship there. I probably read fifteen or twenty every year, a, a couple each month. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not able to invest in all those deals, and but if I keep rolling, I, I'm able to invest in more each time. So I feel a little more confident. But bottom line, I I feel really good about being part of this community. And the fact that I can pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, are you looking at this particular opportunity? And they may be, they may not, but they'll know somebody who is. And then we can compare notes. And and there's some assurances in knowing that you're essentially going in this together. And and I'll I'll be the first to admit, um, there's a thousand people at Lifestyles Unlimited that know way more than I do. And I'm not afraid to ask questions. Um, I learned that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're also given so many resources as a member where, you know, there's, for instance, there's a four-part series on the website for members that is a deep dive into how to read PPMs and how to evaluate them. It was done yeah. with, with Lynn Murrow and with uh, Leon, who's a uh, lifestyles attorney. Yeah. Uh, and this is literally 10 or 12 hours long. Like, they did serious discussion of all the different parts and all the details. Um, and that's a great so that's resource. A, a very useful tool. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, Richard, which which brings up the point of the education piece that we have here at Lifestyles Unlimited that's open to, to all of our vendors. How long does it take to write a private placement memorandum? I know these deals close within 60 days, but uh, does it take a while or, or is the lead... I mean, how long does it take them to get you the information to put it together? And then what's the, how long does it take to bake the cake? So and the process is about two weeks, generally, once the lead is under contract. And, you know, we do our best to have our stuff ready to go. And, you know, so that we're waiting, just waiting on information from the lead. But the lead has to get onto the property. They have to audit the leases. They have to do physical inspections of the property, they have to get bids, they figure out all their numbers, you know. Yeah. So until they have a good idea what the deal actually looks like number-wise, you know, we can't disclose those numbers to the investors. So, you know, generally a week or two into due diligence is by the time they have everything hammered out and then we can start raising money. Okay, a week or two, and they're keeping you posted along the way. So essentially as they're grabbing information, they're handing it off to you and you're knocking out some of these sections within the PPM. Right. Like you said, it's a, it's a long document. I believe these things are 80 or 90 pages long. And Richard, again, I really appreciate your expertise. As always, for you listeners out there, I want you to understand 
it's not just what we do. We have fun doing it. We make friends doing it. We grow our lives. We share. And that's why we say it's not the money. It's the lifestyle. My name is Mike Harrison. We'll see you next week. Make it a great day. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.